Hello and welcome to What in the World is Dyscalculia, presented by EduCalc Learning and hosted by me, Dr. Honora Wall, Dyscalculia Specialist, Tutor, Teacher, and Teacher Trainer. I really enjoy helping students realize that they are mathematical thinkers, they are mathematicians, and they can succeed at math in the classroom in life, in their job, just in general. They can become better than they think they can at math. And as an extension of that work, I've started working in the area of training other educators about dyscalculia, what it is, what do the leading researchers say, what are we finding out, what questions do we still need to ask, and how can we support our students in the classroom. So that's what we're talking about in these podcast episodes, and I'm very glad that you are with us and learning along beside me and the other educators listening. We also have a lot of families who listen, parents whose children have dyscalculia, and some students who want to know more about themselves as learners and why they struggle so much with math, and I hope this podcast answers some of your questions as well. If you have questions or topics you'd like to hear on a future podcast, please reach out to me, honora at educalclearning.com, or go to the website, educalclearning.com. See what kind of information I have there. I'm always putting up new information as often as I can, and I can be reached through there if you have any questions or comments. You can also find a link to my training courses. And if you are looking for some individual information, take one of the online courses. Some are free. Some have a cost associated with them. I also do in-person presentations at conferences around the country throughout the year. And I do in-person or virtual training for schools, school districts, and education consortiums. I'd be happy to come talk to your group, reach out, and I can give you some more information about that. Speaking of information, today in this podcast, I want to revisit using the calculator as an accommodation. Now, this one gets a lot of pushback, especially from elementary school teachers, which I understand. In elementary school, we're trying to build on numeracy. We're trying to get those basic facts. And in many states, that's become the language in the math standards. Memorization of basic facts for adding, subtracting, multiplying, and dividing. This is a real problem that a lot of specialists and researchers are speaking out against. And Joe Bowler uh, out of Stanford has some amazing information and has a lot of strong opinions about this and makes a great case for why the language of our standards is very important and in this case could be very damaging. For students with dyscalculia, it's almost impossible to meet this standard. Dyscalculia causes the parietal lobe to lose math information. It specifically targets the portion of the brain where we save math knowledge. 
and it operates almost like a colander. That information goes in and then it goes right back out. Different people lose that information at a different rate of time. But it's pretty standard for all people with dyscalculia that those basic facts just don't stick. So for my elementary educators and tutors and administrators listening, how do we meet a standard that goes against the learning disability some of our students have? And for parents listening, how do we support our students who are expected to do something that their brains are not doing? This is not something they are choosing to do. You can work with flashcards all day long. You can have those crying fights, which I really hope that you just stop. There's nothing happening in elementary or middle school math that requires the family to be crying and fighting and arguing and mad at each other. Please just let the homework go. Don't have those negative experiences. Okay. While you're making positive experiences, you'd also like for your student to feel accomplished and to pass math. So how do we make that happen? As we get into older grades, especially fourth, fifth, sixth, that calculator use is really crucial because in those older grades, now we're talking about formulas. We're talking about procedural steps, which are also difficult for people with dyscalculia. We're introducing new vocabulary, improper fractions, mixed numbers, perimeter, area, volume. We're doing problem solving. Those are different skills than memorizing basic facts. In a perfect world for people who do not have dyscalculia, we are hoping that students learn those basic facts and have them stuck in their head because it frees up mental energy so that they can focus on the new concepts we're trying to teach them. We also hope that they have those basic facts at the ready because then they can move quickly through the problems. They can finish more practice work and strengthen their skills. So that's the whole reason why we push for memorizing these basic facts. We can use them later when we're doing other work. And with our modern math curriculum, we've shoved so many older concepts into younger grade levels, whether or not they're developmentally appropriate, whether or not we've given any depth to our teaching. We're just racing through. And that's another reason why having those basic facts memorized can be helpful. So what do we do for students who literally cannot memorize and retain those basic facts? We give them the support tools they need so they can succeed. For younger students in second, third, in the beginning of fourth grade, it can be hard for a lot of teachers to let go of that memorization piece. For your students who do not have a learning disability, they can practice, use flashcards, learn the nice songs, read the storybooks, and that can help them memorize their basic facts and recall them later. But it's that recall piece that is missing for your students with dyscalculia, and that's why they're not moving ahead with that memorization. And it's affecting literally everything else that they're doing. If you really don't feel comfortable giving a student a calculator, At the very least, 
give them a 1 to 100s chart so that they can add and subtract and round and estimate and see numbers in context. Students with dyscalculia are not developing a mental number line. We'll talk about that in approximate number sense in other podcasts. But for today, you need to know that your students who are doing this work without an issue already have a mental number line that their brain is accessing without them even realizing what they're doing. They already have an internal support system. You need to give an external support system to the students who have a learning disability that causes them to not be doing it on their own. When we get into the multiplication and division basic facts, I strongly recommend that you give students either a times tables list, not a chart, or you make sheets, make 12 of them, take 12 1 to 100 charts, and for the multiples of 2, you circle 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, and so on. Multiples of 3, you're going to circle 3, 6, 9, 12, and so on. Multiples of 12, you're going to circle, see if you can guess, the 12, the 24, the 36, and so on. Laminate these sheets, have them all over your classroom, and let students use them. They are still going to need extended time because they have to go search for their answers individually. They still have to do the work of finding the right answer, verifying. Okay, if I'm doing 6 times 7, I need to either find the 6s, sheet or the seven sheet. I need to count these circles and see what six times seven is going to be. But they're also seeing the multiplication in a pattern. They're seeing numbers in context and that can help enrich the ways they are seeing patterns and multiplying and dividing and hopefully that will help their brains store information in more than just the parietal lobe which will help them strengthen their knowledge and help them recall it later. It's also going to allow them to pass your math class which is incredibly important. As John Dewey has elaborated on in a much better way than I can, but I can paraphrase him, students need to reflect on successful activities to deepen and increase their learning. If your students with dyscalculia never experience any success because of a barrier that we've put in place of their success, then they don't have that experience to reflect on. They cannot get deeper in their learning. We can use a list a bunch of sheets showing the patterns of multiplication and help them have success so they can reflect. For division, you could use those pattern sheets or you could use the old-fashioned list of the times tables. You know what I'm talking about. It's a vertical list, starts with 1 times 1, goes through 1 times 12, and the next column starts with 2 times 1 and goes through 2 times 12 and so on. Those are great because they also show the pattern involved in mul multiplication. They're very handy for division because students can look down the answer part of a column, then look to the left and see exactly which two numbers were used to get that answer. And this is a faster way for them to 
use division and find their right answer. But they're still having to look it up. They're still doing more work than the students whose brains are just memorizing for them. And they still need some extended time. But it can put division in context. I like using those times tables list because it helps with least common multiple, greatest common factor, it helps create equivalent fractions, it supports and gives scaffolding to the numeracy piece, which is missing for students with dyscalculia. Also, you're giving them different ways of seeing the information, experiencing these numbers, they have the social activity of being in a classroom, looking up the information, talking with you about what they think the right answer is and verifying their work. And all of those pieces are experiences that could be stored in different parts of the brain. That's one of our goals, especially at elementary school level, because we need to help students store math information outside of just the parietal lobe. We want to help them memorize their day because they're not going to memorize those basic math facts. When you're in third and fourth grade, I would tell you to use the times tables list. Use those patterns of multiplication on your laminated 1 to 100 sheets. And seriously consider using a calculator because you're giving your students so much work to do that involves other processes that we really don't want to hold them back from having to search for answers on those times tables lists. We need for them to complete the worksheets on perimeter and area and adding decimals and learning the rules for multiplying decimals and there's different rules for dividing decimals. We don't want them to be held back by also having to search for answers because it takes a ton of time and mental energy. There's a reason why your students are frustrated in class and why they're going home exhausted and having a meltdown at the end of the day. The work we expect them to do takes so much more out of them because they're working so much harder than our students who don't have a learning disability. Using the right support tools avoids the meltdown, the breakdown, the frustration, and also we don't want to tie those negative experiences into every time we think about math class we think about how we had a meltdown and it was stressful and we were wrong anyway. This is one of the biggest barriers to math success in late middle school and high school. The irony is that once we get into high school math, it's so much easier for students with dyscalculia to be successful. High school math is so much easier for them for a number of reasons, which I'll talk about in different podcast episodes, and I'll try to get more information about that on the website for you as well. Right now I'm fleshing out the reasons behind that for my certification training for teachers. Certification for teaching students with dyscalculia. We'll be rolling that out soon. And if your district or your school is interested in training some dyscalculia specialists on staff, please reach out because we want to have as many teachers as possible be well versed in helping students with this learning disability.
But getting back to today's topic, by the time we get to high school, succeeding in math is easier for students with dyscalculia, except they have so many horrible memories of elementary school math that most of them have given up. We can change their future trajectory if we give them the right support tools in elementary. I strongly encourage you to put calculator use into your IEP language. If you're getting pushback for that, at the very least, put in 1 to 100's chart, times tables, list. Not the chart, because a multiplication chart requires an entirely different skill set of looking inside the rectangle to find the answers. And if your students have visual spatial skills, which many people with dyscalculia have, if they have a weaker working memory, they're losing their place. If their finger wanders over the page, then they've got the wrong answer. So a list is much more direct, much more accurate, much more precise. And that's another thing we want for our students, accuracy and precision as they're getting the right answer. So the chart works very well for students who do not have dyscalculia or for older students in fifth and sixth grade who have had a few years of working with the right support tools and now they're ready for that chart. But in the beginning, go with a list, go with the pattern sheets, use the calculator. This is the appropriate accommodation for elementary students who have dyscalculia and I encourage you to try it. If you have any comments or questions, if you'd like to know how I've done this successfully with my students and how it helps them even when they get to standardized tests where they do not have that same accommodation, because I've seen that success happen too, please reach out to me and I'm happy to address your topic in a future podcast or email you back some information directly. I'm Dr. Honora Wall. If you would like more information, please visit educalclearning.com. And thank you for listening to the What in the World is Dyscalculia podcast.